What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Ruth chapter 1. This is a book uh, that's, that's, of course, named after Ruth. But there's so much about Naomi in this, in this book. We could call it the book of Naomi, but then again, she wasn't in the line of the Lord. But let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the word we hold in our hand. Especially we thank you for the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And Lord, as we open the Bible this morning, let us see again the word that became flesh, and behold his glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, Ruth chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days of when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, as a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, and he and his wife and his two sons, and the name of the man was Elamelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Kilian, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Melanchilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and here two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go return, each of you, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me, the dead with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them. They lifted out their voice and wept, and they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they should may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much. 
For your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and to her gods. Return thou also, return thou after thy sister-in-law. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die. Where thou buried out, the Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then left she speaking unto her. So the two went until they came to Bethlehem. Bethlehem until they came to Bethlehem. That's where we'll stop. Now, it's been two months since we've been in the book of Ruth, and I hope you didn't forget everything. But... Uh, <laughs> But, I, but I, had, I had a back problem, you know, and thank you for praying for me, but that's all behind me now. <laughs> yeah, all right, so <laughs> I'll try to restrain from those. <laughs> but when we were in Ruth, what we saw in our last time, in our last study when we were together, was verse 9, that Naomi had this genuine love. We're really entering into the home of Naomi here with this relationship that she has with her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Naomi loved her Moabite daughters-in-law as she said to them in verse 9, the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you. That's a very important phrase she uses, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice. See, when Naomi said to them, each of you, when he, she prayed for them, grant you, it just wasn't a, a, a half-hearted prayer. It wasn't a ritual. It wasn't like a traditionalistic type prayer. But she looked at each of them as individuals. She didn't see Orpah and Ruth as just Moabites, part of the them, the Moabites. She saw them as the each of you. She saw them as the individuals. She saw them as, as real people crystallized in her mind, Orpah and Ruth, whom God had created. She saw them whom God loved. And what she said to them in verse 9 reflected this love and this respect that Naomi had for them. And if you and I are going to be effective in bringing the lost people to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to have that spirit that Naomi has. We have to see not this amorphous group of people who we call unbelievers that are different from us or the lost that are not part of us but in or that other group that's going to hell. You and I will need to see them not as the non-elect that God has no interest in saving and bringing to heaven, but you and I have to be like Naomi where we see them as individuals for who they are, like Naomi did, like when she said each of them. And if you ask Naomi to describe her daughters-in-law, she would never say, well, they're just Moabites like all those other Moabites, like all the other heathen. They don't know God. They, they'll die without knowing God because they're Moabites. She never would say that about Orpah and, and, and Ruth. And she would say, I know them. I know Orpah. They're individuals, each one of them. I know Orpah and Ruth. And she opens up her heart to them. And that's what we're seeing here in this verse. And she says to the individuals, and she prays for them with a real heartfelt sincerity. She, oh, she sees them as individuals and she, and, and she treats them. The way she treats them is like a challenging example to us of how we should treat the lost. So at verse 9, we feel this love. That's between Naomi and Orpah and Ruth. And in verse 9, we can see Naomi. She's looking at them. She's got tears in her eyes. And she does 
the most that she can do for anyone that she sees starting to drift away from contact which is the same that, that anyone can do for someone who they see as drifting away out of our contact, out of reach. You know, that's the same that Jochebed could do for her little baby, her little son, Moses. She knew that he was going to literally drift away out of her contact. So she makes this ark of bulrushes, the mother of Moses, Jochebed, and she, she gets it ready and she stands there by the river Nile. And she, and she, and it's what it says here in Exodus 2:3, it says, and when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's bed. So she, we can see her there. We can see Jochebed. She's bent over this little ark that she's made. She's put her baby Moses in there. She's literally washing his face with her tears as she's crying over him. And, and she's saying, what can I do? What can I do? The Nile was the place where Pharaoh had instructed the Egyptians to fling the baby boys, fling the little Jewish baby boys in there. And in the Nile for her were like jaws just ready to, and she'd seen that, they had seen that just engulf and swallow up the baby boys. And so all she could do is she prays and she says to herself, not into the hungry jaws of the rival Nile. No, no, not into those jaws to devour my son, but... This river Nile shall now be, as she prayed, the protecting hands of God. And so she takes the baby in the little ark, and she, when she does that, she says, not to the river Nile I commit this, my son, but into the hands of God. And God heard that prayer, and God did take care of that little baby boy, Moses, and, 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 and she gave him to God. And God heard the prayer of Jochebed as he took the little son Moses out of her hands and protected him. And in the same way, Naomi is here, She's praying. Naomi's husband has died, as we've seen. Her two sons had died. Her daughter-in-laws were, were still young, and they were able to marry another, and they would be Moabites and husbands. And Naomi knew that. And Naomi also knew that, you know, if they as Moabites come into the land of Israel, they're going to have a very hard time. Nobody's going to want to marry them. They're going to be outcasts. And so she's saying, she's saying to them, look, I can't stay here any longer in Moab. Moab is the enemy country of the Jews. Her daughters-in-law needed to move on with their lives, and she could not expect her daughters-in-law to take care of her in the house of, of their new Moabite husbands. And so Naomi has to return to the land of Israel. That's where she belonged. That was where her people were. And so with tears in her eyes, what does she do? She looks at them and she prays for them. She pours out her heart in a beautiful blessing, a prayer to them as she prays to Jehovah Jesus. And she prays and she asks him, Lord, please grant from heaven that they would find husbands and that they would have a home of, of peace and rest. And so she prays that they'd find the right husbands. And then we read of their love and the love that they had for each other in verse 9, where it says, they kissed, then, then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. They just cried. It was just, it was sad. It was a very sad time as they're crying out loud together. But then we see in verse 10, it says, and they said unto her, so Orpah and Ruth said unto Naomi, surely, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. 
So Orpah and Ruth had said at this point that we've made up our minds, we're gonna go back with you to your people. And this shows a great human love that Orpah and, and Ruth that they had for Naomi. Great human love. But notice what they said in verse 10. And the key to understanding what Orpah and Ruth said with Naomi is found in the words, with thee. So in other words, verse 10, they said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. It was all about with thee. The message they were sending was with thee. Their statement was with thee. And they're saying, we love you so much, Naomi. We love you so much that for us, we're gonna be on a mission of with thee. We're gonna go with you. Wherever you go, we're going. They had resolved that they were gonna go with Naomi because of this strong human love that they had for Naomi. Now, Naomi got that message. She heard them say that with thee. So now when we look at verse 11, we see that Naomi is now responding to the with thee message. And she says, and Naomi said, turn again, my daughters, for why will you go with me? Are there yet any sons in my room? And so forth like that. So she's saying, I know what you're saying with thee. And in response, Naomi now challenges them with this question, why? Why will you come with me? Why would you do that? Now, if Orpah and Ruth did not have a good response to Naomi's why will you go with me, then Orpah and Ruth would not go with Naomi. It was just that simple. So Naomi is very wise to challenge them with the why will you go with me challenge. You know, there were those who said to the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll follow you. We want, I want to follow you. But like Naomi, the Lord Jesus Christ also gave those people the why will you go with me uh, question. And we see that in Matthew 8, 19 through 20, where it speaks about in that passage a certain scribe. And I love it when the Bible says a certain scribe, each one of them. So it really puts a focus on this individual a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Same like the others said, we're going to go with you. This certain scribe comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to go with you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto the, uh, saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. That's quite a statement. He's saying, you want to follow me? You'll be worse off than the foxes. You'll be worse off than the birds. The foxes, they got a hole in the ground. And the birds, they got a nest in the, in the tree. I don't have either. I don't have either. So think it over. This scribe was like Orpah and Ruth when the scribe says, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And the Lord Jesus Christ is just like Naomi when he, says, when, he, when he gives the pushback and says, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, and so you won't have that. And it was not, it was not that the Lord Jesus Christ did not want this scribe to follow him. He wasn't saying to him, no, you can't. But what he was saying was, think about it. Because what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing with that scribe was saying, that he was in essence saying, I only want those to follow me who are 100% sold out. I only want those to follow me who really want to follow me. And so the Lord only wanted these followers, this type of follower, 
who would confess, cost what it would that he was God, confess the Lord Jesus. They only wanted him, he only wanted them to follow him who they would love him like they love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. And if they did not, if they would not, then he was saying, it's better you don't start. It's better you don't start because you're going to turn back. That's why he said to the scribe what he said. He also did the same thing in Mark, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 21, where we read, Behold, one came. Again, this, this, these, these phrases, certain. One came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may inherit, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto them, Why callest thou me good? There is, there, there's, there's none good but one, and that is God. But if thou enter into life, so keep in mind what he said here. He say, he's saying, good master, good master. And he's saying, there's only one that's good, that's God. So in other words, he's saying, I'm God. And now, in the position as God, he goes on and he says, but if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, what is the Lord Jesus Christ doing up to this point? He's repeating what he already said in Exodus as God of Mount Sinai when he gave those commandments to Moses. So here he is, but now he's in person. The word has been made flesh. He's speaking this. And the young man saith unto him, check, 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 check. He says, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Then it says, Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. What is this? This is not one of the commandments that Moses gave, that was given to Moses. So what is this? This is all new. Because there's a leading that's going on here. What the Lord Jesus Christ is saying is that if you believe that I'm God, if you believe that I am the, the one who gave these commandments at Mount Sinai, then I'm looking at you as an individual. And what I see in you as an individual, as God, as I look in your heart, you have a deadly attachment to your wealth. You have a fatal flaw. You love possessions more than you love God. And I, as God, I'm going to teach you now and, and lead you and tell you how you can be free from this. Go sell what you have because I've told you as God that you should do that as an individual and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Now, it was not that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't want this man to follow him. It was that he only wanted him to follow him if he followed him as God. And in the same way, it was not it was not that Naomi did not want Orpah and Ruth to follow her. Naomi only wanted Orpah and Ruth to follow her if they were ready to go beyond just the human love and to know that it was a matter of, of a deeper love than that. Naomi pressed onto this issue. She pressed, Naomi pressed this issue on them. It was the issue of your future. It was the issue of having a husband. It was the issue of having a home. It was the issue of having children. And she was saying to them, you come with me, you won't, you won't, you won't. And she didn't, it wasn't as, she didn't want Orpah and Orpah to, Orpah to follow because she, she didn't want them to go back to return, as she put it to her, their gods, because she knew that that was going to be spiritual suicide for them. But she knew that if her daughters-in-law 
had decided to follow her to the land of her God, then they would have to pay a very heavy price. No husbands, no home, no children. Life was going to be very hard for them. So in verses 12 through 13, she's pressing on them sore, pressing them hard. Now, then Naomi, she finishes her very strong statement in verse 13 where she says, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. That's a very hard statement that Naomi has just made there. It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. What Naomi is actually saying here is that she felt very sorry for them that God was against her because she saw that they were suffering because God was against Naomi. You know, Naomi could have said to him, I'm a jinx. <laughs> you don't want me. Maybe, you know, when, when you get her, you know, everything bad happens to people who are around me. You know, I, I, I lose my husband and, and then you lose your husbands because of me, because I'm the one. You know, and, and, and she's, so she's actually saying to them that I'm worse off than you are. This is what she's saying. And she's saying that she, and she's saying, look, you know, look at me. I'm old. You know, no, 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 I, there's nobody, no man is going to want me for a wife. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm just resigned to be alone for the rest of my life. And no one's going to take care of me. It's like the song this morning. They got a lot of tears, but there were, there was a blessing in disguise with her. Blessings in disguise, but she didn't know it. But for Orpah and Ruth, she was saying, look, you're still young. You can attract a new husband. Life can start all over for you. But Naomi is saying that, that look, you know, when you look at me, just think about death. You know, the, the part of the death of, part of the, my happiness died when I buried my husband and I stood over the grave and I felt part of my happiness buried in that grave with him. And then when, you, when your two husbands, my two sons died and I dug those graves, she said that was the rest of my happiness buried in those graves. So I'm worse off than you are. It's really something. She should be a motivational speaker. <laughs> but... Uh, but for Orpah and Ruth, okay. So she's, she's saying all these things. And, and, and she's saying, no future, no future, no future with me. You follow me, no future. It's very sad. It's very depressing. No future. Now, it's, this is a classic picture here when you hear Naomi saying this of depression. Naomi is in a state of depression when she says, anybody who gets around me, it grieves me much because the Lord's hand, for your sakes, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Now, sometimes you and I really feel the pressure of depression. Sometimes we fall into depression, but you know, God does not want us to stay in depression. God did not want Naomi to be in depression. Sometimes depression is the result, it can be many reasons, and sometimes the result of some sin that's not been confessed and not been forsaken, sometimes. And in that case, that sin just eats away at the soul like rust, and it drives the person into depression. And we should never, never, ever be deceived into thinking that depression is good. Depression is not good. Depression's normal. It's healthy. It's not normal. It's not healthy. Even clinicians recognize depression as a clinical disease. But God wants to bring a person out of depression, and he, and, and, and he wants them to come out of depression because if a person doesn't come out of depression, eventually they'll come to hate God. Because to think that depression is normal is to develop a, it's like developing a taste for arsenic. I think it tastes pretty good. 
It's to love death. And that's how the Bible describes it in Proverbs 8.36 where it says, But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. See, God is, not, God is nothing to get depressed about. God is not to get depressed about. Depression is the state of, actually, it's a state of complaining. It's a state of acting out, complaining, or murmuring against God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.